everyone. I'm Felicity Forward, a Principal Associate in the Commercial and Projects team at Shoesmiths, and I head up a team of lawyers that specialise in advising on consumer protection and e-commerce laws. With me today, I have two of those specialists, Joel and Aish. Hi, I'm Joel Murphy. I'm a Senior Associate in the Commercial team focusing on consumer law. And hi, I'm Aisha Chandegra. I'm also a Senior Associate um, in the Commercial and Projects team and a member of the consumer team here at Shoesmiths. Welcome to the Shoe Pod sessions. The purpose of these sessions is to help our listeners understand the key components of a commercial contract. And today's topic is consumer contracts. So what do we mean by that? Effectively, any contract or notice between a business and a consumer. For today's session, we thought it would be useful to contextualize our discussion. So meet Bob. Bob is our imaginary consumer who will help us apply the consumer protection law principles we discussed today. Bob loves online retail as we all do and today is buying a kettle from shop.co.uk. So Aish, is Bob a consumer and who is actually considered a consumer under the regulations? So the legal definition used pretty much consistently across consumer legislation defines consumer as an individual acting for purposes which are wholly or mainly outside that individual's trade, business, craft or profession. So that wouldn't include purposes made by a company or a limited liability partnership. So to answer your question, if Bob is purchasing the kettle entirely for his personal use, then he'll be a consumer. Okay. Are there instances perhaps where it's difficult to determine if someone is a consumer or trader? Yes, absolutely there is. So the lines can be blurred when it comes to transactions between traders and sole traders or partners. So a slight grey area here because the definition of a consumer refers to individuals' purpose being wholly or mainly outside that trade's individual's trade, business, craft or profession. So this means that some sole traders may be classed as a consumer depending on what their purpose is in the specific transaction. So to break this down, let's use Bob as an example. Let's imagine that Bob is a sole trader, he's purchased a kettle for his home and uses it while working from home one day a week. He is likely to still be classed as a consumer because his purpose for purchasing the, and using the kettle is wholly or mainly for personal use and not in relation to his business. However, if for example Bob operates his business from home and then decides to purchase a printer and uses it for business purposes 95% of the time, he's not likely to be held as a consumer because his purpose for purchasing the printer is wholly or mainly for business use. So with this in mind, why is it important to know if you are trading with a consumer? Oh, it's really important because consumer protection laws heavily regulate business to consumer transactions as opposed to men dealing with businesses. So there's a lot of laws which apply and need to be followed and they can be complex, which is what Fliss is going to talk through now. So, as Aisha's mentioned, there are a myriad of consumer protection laws that shop.co.uk will have to comply with. So let's consider those each in turn. The Consumer Contracts Information Cancellation and Additional Charges Regulations 2013. This is one of the big players. It sets out certain information requirements that a trader must give to a consumer before they enter into a contract and also post-order and the type of information they have to provide will vary depending on how the contract is formed, whether it is at a distance, on-premises or off-premises. It also deals with cancellation rights. So a consumer is afforded a 14-day cancellation right when they purchase from at a distance. 
This includes online, as most of us are aware, or email or telephone, for example. So when Bob purchases that kettle and he's purchased it from shop.co.uk and he decides he no longer wants it, he has 14 days from when he received the kettle to cancel the order. So, Fliss, are there any other information requirements that sit outside the CCRs? There are. Of course there are. Consumer law doesn't keep things simple. So shop.co.uk will also have similar information requirements through the Electronic Commerce EC Directive Regulations 2002 and also to the extent they provide any services. So if there was installation of the kettle, then the provision of services regulations 2009. But there are also additional requirements that shop.co.uk would need to comply with. For example, under the e-commerce regs, they'd have to have certain functions and features on their site, such as edit basket functionality, so that Bob could increase or decrease the items in his basket, and also the requirement to acknowledge receipt of an order once placed through technological means, such as online. And what about how the contract is written? Are there any controls over this? There are indeed, and this is where the Consumer Rights Act 2015 comes in. It's divided into two sections, and part two imposes a fairness test and a requirement for transparency of all written terms with a consumer. So any notice or contract is unfair if, contrary to the requirement of good faith, it causes a significant imbalance in the party's rights and obligations to the detriment of the consumer. And the CRA categorises unfair terms into greyness terms, which can be under suspicion of unfairness, or blacklisted terms, which are deemed automatically unfair and unenforceable. So can you give an example of a grey-listed term as opposed to a blacklisted term? Yes. So a grey-listed term, let's remember there's a list of these um, and they're simply under suspicion and subject to the test. So shop.co.uk could say that they're unilaterally amending the T's and C's. To ensure fairness, this should apply to new orders. So you could only amend those terms unilaterally when a new order is placed or restrict it to apply to minor amendments, such as those mandated by law. When more significant changes are imposed, Bob should be given the right to cancel his order. Okay. And what about a blacklisted term? Blacklisted terms. So yes, these are automatically unfair and would not bind the consumer. The kind of terms covered include those which aim to relieve traders from their ordinary obligations under the Act to ensure their products are of satisfactory quality and that their services are provided with reasonable care. So an example of this would be an exclusion of liability for performance of services. So what about if the kettle's faulty, what rights does Bob have? If it's faulty, Bob can rely on part one of the CRA, which deals with remedies that are available to consumers. So it's a three-tier approach to remedy matters when things go wrong. There's tier one, the short-term right to reject, Tier 2, repair or replacement, and Tier 3, price reduction, and the final right to reject. And then the final heavyweights of our legislation we're discussing is the Consumer Protection from Unfair Trading Regulations 2008. This prohibits unfair, misleading, and aggressive sales practices during a B2C transaction, including during marketing, entry into the contract, and performance of the contract. The regulation set out a list of practices which are always unfair. Example being, if shop.co.uk were to falsely state on their website that the kettle will be available for a very limited time in order to obtain an immediate decision from Bob. And we sometimes see this a lot 
on booking sites, booking engines, where you have a countdown timer and you're notified of the number of people that are wanting to make an order. A new bill is currently passing through Parliament, which we'll talk about towards the end of this podcast. But amongst other things, the bill repeals and rewrites the consumer protection from unfair trading regulations. Many of those changes, however, appear to be more of a form over substance. Great. So we've talked about the various laws that apply to consumer protection. So it's probably worth us picking up on the consequences if shop.co.uk don't comply with these as well. Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, there are a variety of risks associated with non-compliance. One of the most immediate is that if a consumer isn't given the right information or if a trader attempts to limit their rights unfairly, this can actually lead to the consumer benefiting from enhanced rights or remedies. For example, if shop.co.uk didn't give Bob the right information about its cooling off period cancellation right, Bob could end up with a cancellation right that lasted 14 days plus an additional year potentially. Another good example would be using a blacklisted term, which like Flish Bliss mentioned earlier, would be automatically unfair and therefore not binding on the consumer. Yeah, exactly. And uh, looking at the bigger picture where a trader does not comply with consumer law, this can attract the attention of regulators, consumer interest groups, as well as direct complaints and claims from consumers. So in the UK, the Competition and Market Authority is the primary regulatory regulator responsible for enforcing consumer protection law, but bodies such as Trading Standards or the Advertising Standards Authority may take action to protect consumers or prevent unfair by a trader as well. And these organisations have quite a range of powers, which can include the ability to carry out investigations into the practice of a trader, to obtain injunctions or otherwise prevent a trader from behaving in a way which might be unfair. In certain circumstances, a trader can actually be prosecuted under criminal enforcement powers, particularly in relation to the most unfair commercial practices. For example, where a trader is deliberately or recklessly using misleading practices, or whether it's flagrant or persistent offending. And there are also new enforcement powers on their way, which we will uh, touch upon in a moment. Yes, that's true. And um, the other big risk, I suppose, that we've not mentioned yet is that with not complying, that it can have a massive reputational damage. Uh, consumers publicise their disputes or apparent breaches of consumer law, particularly on social media. And regulators also consistently publish the action that they take against traders. This can easily become front page news and have a lasting impact on how business is perceived. So whilst the powers the regulators have are an important thing to be aware of, the negative PR associated with being seen as a business which does not treat consumers fairly can be just as damaging, if not more so. Cliss, you mentioned that there are changes on the horizon for consumer law. What do these look like? Well, there is a big change. So the new Digital Markets Competition and Consumers Bill has just landed and is passing through Parliament as we speak. Um, it's currently gone through its first reading um, and we're yet to see it pass through. In fact, we do have an article which is available on our Shoesmith website, which takes you through some of those changes that are going to be implemented through that bill. Um, in summary, it seeks to implement radical reforms to consumer and competition uh, laws. Its aim is to protect against consumer harms that have materialised following the digital transformation of how we now buy goods, services and digital content. These are some of the highlights. So subscription traps. The bill introduced measures to protect consumers from subscription traps by requiring businesses to provide clear information before entering a contract, issue reminders, ensure it's straightforward uh, for a consumer to exit the subscription contract, offer new cancellation rights, um, and ensure consumers acknowledge, actively acknowledge that they're going to be bound to pay regular payments to the trader. Um, also, fake reviews. 
So whilst there is nothing actually explicit within the bill that talks about freight reviews, it does provide the government with powers that they'll gain to introduce new laws, including a power to add to the list of banned unfair commercial practices. It will be this power that could be adopted to tackle the issues regarding fake reviews. And a number of these harmful practices will be consulted on during the passage of the bill. And word on the street is that the CMA are going to get radical changes to their enforcement powers. Can you talk a little bit about that? Indeed they are. So the CMA have gained direct enforcement powers, which will remove the need to endure lengthy court proceedings, allowing them to enforce directly against traders just like they can for competition law breaches. This includes the power to fine, to impose fines of up to 10% of a business's annual global turnover. So quite radical. Thanks, Fliss. The new changes will be great for protected people like Bob. However, for traders like shop.co.uk, we've just discussed why it's important that they ensure compliance with the consumer laws. So to summarise, Joel, are you able to suggest some key takeaways for traders? Sure. So if you're a trader, you should consider whether your customer base includes consumers. And if so, are you taking the, the right steps that you need to in order to ensure that you're complying with consumer law and those things that we've just been talking about? Um, you need to check whether your consumer contracts, if you're dealing with consumers, are clear, fair, and do not mislead consumers. Absolutely. And to add to that, if you trade online, have you carried out a recent audit of your website? You may need to consider whether it will need reviewing or updating. Yeah, that's a really good point. It's also key to bear in mind that just because you've considered all these things and you know you're happy with what you're currently doing, you need to keep reviewing this because there are changes in law coming through. There are changes in how practices are expected to to be carried out all the time, and you need to make sure that you're kind of on top of those as as and when you're trading with consumers. Absolutely, and so with the new enforcement powers proposed, obviously it's more important now than ever that traders start sooner rather than later to get their business house tidy and in order to avoid risk of fines and being imposed or any reputational damage like we just discussed to their business, which could be irreparable. Exactly. Well, thank you both. Um, and we've come to the end of today's session. We hope you found it informative. Of course, if you need any assistance in any aspect of the law that we've touched on today, please don't hesitate to get in touch with either myself, Aish or Joel, and we'll be incredibly happy to help. Thank you ever so much for listening.